welcome to this week's episode of the Rugby Bits Pod, powered by bet.co.za. Tyler hosts the show and is joined by Sean and Cooks. We start off with first phase before dissecting the Springbok loss at Ellis Park and take a deep dive into the selections, bench and tactics. The team then pick their tournament winner before looking at the newly announced Springbok squad. And Cooks is reminded about the crazy kickoff time against the Wallabies, as well as a bizarre Thursday Bledisloe Cup game. Okay, so as we always do, let's start with our first phase topic for today. Um, the first phase question posted was um, talking about the bet between um, Drew Mitchell and Joe Marler and talking about what is the craziest bet you've taken and lost in the name of rugby. Um, Sean, you're the mastermind behind this bet story, so I want to hear what your story is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, when I saw what, uh, what Drew Mitchell had to go through, it, it brought back a little bit of, uh, bit, bit of memories about what I had to do once. Funny enough, it involved Australia too. Um, for those on, on, on Twitter, you might know Mindy, um, Mindy Pawsey. She's Australian, a big book fan, um, massive, massive fan of, uh, of Bismarck Duplessis. I'm sure she would have uh, married him at one stage. But uh, I, just a quick shout out and hi to Mindy and the little one. But uh, yeah, Mindy was in South Africa and then and we were, a couple of us went out for a couple of beers and, and whatnot. And, um, the rugby championship was coming up and I can't remember the year, but we were, uh, we were playing Australia away. Uh, it was an away leg and we'd beaten them at home, I think, but I was super confident, like uber confident that confident that the Aussies weren't doing well and that we were, we were going to dominate them. There was no doubt about it. And she's oh, that's basically dangerous said, already. yeah, I know I'm learning. I've learned this. I've learned this since then. Um, and she was like, cool. Like, let's put a wager on it. And uh, I, I do quite a bit of open water swimming. And I've, um, I was doing one of my Robin Island swims were coming up. At the time, I think it was my third or fourth one. And um, I said to her, because uh, I'd planned one for the week after the test match. Uh, weather was looking good, so I, I knew it was very likely that I'd swim. So I said to her straight, cool. Um, if uh, I'm so confident they will win if uh, if the Wallabies beat the Springboks. I'll do a Robin Island crossing naked. Anyway, needless to say, I uh, obviously the start and the finish I, I briefed up, but uh, I did a what a two and a half hour open water swim in the Atlantic, uh, just in my birthday suit, dodging uh, a few uh, jellyfish, and I even have a photo to prove it. So. Yeah, it was a, a massive lesson to learn at the time. But, <laughs> it was so funny. But uh, yeah, that was, that uh, was, I know, it was, it was pretty mental. I haven't taken a bet since then, to be fair. <laughs> Sean, that is actually quite extreme. <laughs> yeah, something that would low-key almost kill you. Um, there's, there's one from Martin Prinsler as well. Um, he was talking about, and this is, I thought, much more within the conversation because, as I said on the on our WhatsApp group, that I haven't done anything like this, at least um, have, haven't had to do a forfeit bet like this ever in my life. But Martin's one was he had to run around um, with the Springbok flag and the cape um, 
if 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 um if if the if England won against the Springboks in two thousand and six, and then he was taking that and running around. So that is much more something that I would that I would expect than what 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 you did, Sean. But yeah, you but, took it to but, another extreme. Jeez. I, I I tell you, but he said he had to run around with the flag as the cape. He I'm pretty confident that he probably had to do that close close to to probably being in the neck or in his jocks as well. He, oh, I don't know. Maybe he just admitted that. But <laughs> listen, I was in the water, so I was, uh, I was perfectly okay. I'm just worried about uh, yeah. the stingers, to be fair. <laughs> that was much more appropriate um, dress for that instead of yeah, getting something on like that. No, I think one, I mean, a little bit related, but I know it was something that was big then, and maybe it should come back in this context, was... When people played like FIFA against each other, you had to, if you took like a 5-0 or 6-0 like loss, you'd have to like post on like your Facebook or your Twitter or something. Be like, hi, um, I acknowledge that Sean is much better than me at FIFA. and He's <laughs> the king of FIFA and I'm just a lowly subject or something like that. I tell you, there, there is one that I have seen. Um, uh, uh, well, not have seen. Oh, sorry. It was a guy that I was playing rugby with. He was from the UK. And he took a bet with him and a Welshman or him and, a, and an Irish guy in his rugby club in the UK. And the loser had to support the other team's country as if, as if they were a diehard supporter for a full Six Nations. <laughs> so they had to wear the jersey. They had to sing the anthem. They had to then be like if someone was like having a go at, a player in his now new adopted team, he had to stick up for that player. Like it was like full on support. So um, <laughs> apparently that was absolutely world-class, world-class. Oh my word. No, I think it does, it does show like what you have to do with these things. And that sometimes, you know, you shouldn't be too confident in the results. Um, as you might've seen with our last few podcast titles, we've pretty much predicted the opposite of what's going to happen in these games the last few weeks yeah it, i mean it's it, it's true it's there's been a lot happening i mean with uh, obviously wales winning against south africa um you know you probably probably would have taken that bet before the series that the books were 3-0 um obviously uh ireland ireland new zealand would have been massive i mean there was upsets upsets there there was upsets with australia england even even Australia, Argentina. So uh, it's quite. Um, it's been. I'm sure there were a couple of wages that were that were put out. Okay, Cooks. Let's hear you. What your betting story was. Mine was Walter Shaw. I mean, I kept my clothes on, so those. So, so mine's a good start. Um, so mine happened, and I was still coaching actually. So uh, a friend of mine on the stage was. He was at. Um, He'd gone to the opposition school. I was going to a rival school called Alex Alexander Road in PE. And then obviously, so I was I was coaching number 16 A's, and then I was helping out of the first, and he made me a wager. And he said, Listen, if um if if you guys manage to beat Alex, then he will wear one of the Western jerseys and also put some cash on it, like 500 Rand. And then so, so I was like, okay, okay, cool, minus 16's one. And then during the first team game, it was very, very close. And then we sort of scored a try with about two minutes to go. But in the corner of my eye, I, I kind of saw my mate sneaking away. Sort of like sneaking, instead of going to the bar where we went to meet, he sort of, sort of sneaking back to, to the gate. 
So when the game ended, so as the game ended, so everyone was like trying to figure out, I didn't go shake hands for it. I just took off, like sprinted across the field, trying to get my mate to be like, listen, no, 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 no you're not going anywhere. So like, so imagine now, for example, like all those parents and coaches thing must be like, game ends, the opposition coach is coming towards me going, and I just take off, like, take off, like in a full-on, full-on sprint. Where you get to my mate, get a jersey on him, he wears it and then obviously take a picture based on the catch and then you so it's try so he sort of spent the afternoon in the in the in a West Street jersey. Because the worst thing is he was flying back to to Cape Town on the Monday. So I, I wasn't seeing him on Sunday. So he tried to make a quick escape. But I just I don't know, I just I just happened to catch him as we scored that last try, I just turned. And so see that was that was the only bet I've won and, and I and I haven't made any other rugby bet since. <laughs> no, that's perfect, Cooks. I think yeah, especially when the like junior school or high school context, I think you can have a lot of fun with with bets like that. I'm sure there's been a few things of like people switching like blazers for the day or something like that um, in that context as well. So I'm sure that I'm sure you guys as coaches have got got to a lot of fun when you try to make bets like that. Yeah, you do. I think it's not too much. I think I think some of us keep score. Like I got to the, one of my first bets. So you sort of <laughs> we sort of just keep score and sort of lose the coach here. Sort of. So he's at the moment he's he's up two to one, but he changed school, so he sort of upgraded. It's like we from like based on coaching Georgia to like coaching Prime All Blacks, and I was like, that's unfair. Like he, he can't come there. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I think that you know only a couple of bits. He's going over like a downing a brandy or something or downing a beer. But um, yeah, I think mm. all, all, all my bad bits like wearing a position jersey or singing opposition song is only through soccer. <laughs> no, fair enough. Okay, so let us transition now into speaking about the Springboks loss to New Zealand at Ellis Park on Saturday. Um, New Zealand won 35 points to 23, scoring four tries to the Springboks two. Um, and I think we need to start on, there's, there's been, a, of course, as with any other loss when the Spring, the, that the Springboks had, there's been a lot of talk on social media today. And it seems like there's pretty much three different issues, but I think let's start with the selection issue. Um, I think we did have this conversation, Cooks, on Tuesday, on Thursday um, about selections and we, we saw, I guess, the positive side of it. But then we, I guess, we saw what could happen if, you know, some of these risks that we take in selections um, sort of um, come back against us. First of all, Cooks, before we even get into that, let's talk about what your experience was because... We, I even saw you when I was watching the game on Saturday, just there on the screen there, just being literally right on the field at Ellis Park. So how did it feel to get your first test cap there at Ellis Park? Yeah, I mean, it was, oh, Jesus, it was amazing, amazing atmosphere. I mean, um, like I said, I've never been at Ellis Park before. And so, and um, it was, it was, it was, I was, I was absolutely buzzing. I remember like even walking into the stadium, sort of like, yeah, it's, it's just different. I think it, as you can sort of see it on TV, it's, it's like um like experiencing TV, how loud it is it? It's even louder there. I mean, it was absolutely buzzing by the time the anthems came out and um and, and obviously being on the side of the field, it's it was really special because you sort of hear the cheering at the bottom. It does sort of feel like inside of a cauldron and obviously the plane flying, it was amazing. But um for that to be my last box game to see live, I'm happy because clearly if I when I go watch the box play, we can tend to lose. I mean, if we do two tests here, this bloom and well, it happens with the two box losses. So clearly, uh, maybe the problem is not selection, it's not players, it's, it's just me 
going to watch the box live. So I might have to, to I might have to put a pin in there and sort of start to, to stick to watch them on TV. Yeah, Cooks, uh, that was actually uh, where I was leading. You know, you, you, you've earned two, two caps on the sideline now, obviously Bloom and Ellis Park, as you've mentioned. Is there, um, and, you know, we've seen that you've just, just missed out on the, on the away tour with the Springbok. Um, you reckon, uh, you, reckon you, you get a look in for, for an away tour sometime, perhaps November? Well, the way it's looking now, I mean, the way everything's so detailed, I think the coaches will be like, I don't think I'll be a good omen because clearly the box can't win when I go watch them live or Berlin Barry can't stay in the field for longer than five minutes. So <laughs> I think I'm like, I think I may be a bad luck charm, but um, it's, it's, yeah, but it was, status Park is, it was something special, but also like, we, it had been so loud for the whole day, like, and like it was buzzing, and then how, how eerie it got when the All Blacks scored that sort of that winning try, the end try. It was dead silent. Like you couldn't hear, like there was nothing. You see the mu- like the music was playing, but the, afterwards it was just absolute silence. Just like, not, not even like booing or anything, just dead. I think one thing I appreciate about when I've watched. Um... Uh, when I watched a, an All Black Test match in Cape Town in twenty was a seventeen, I think, um, and the New Zealand one, of course. One thing Cape Townians do is don't, they don't keep quiet. Of course, there's a lot of New Zealand fans, as you can expect in Cape Town, but those people do give it to the Springboks as well if they're not performing too well. So there, there was a bit of um, booing and all that sort of stuff. Not that I'm endorsing it, but it's not that sort of like stunned funeral sli- silence that you get sometimes in other stadiums. Yeah, quite something. I tell you, sorry, oh, sorry, Cooks. Sorry, you jump in, my man. I'm going to change the subject. No, I was going to say, yeah, I can tell you, said, like, I think also for me, uh, I've been to like, most, even, like, even at Bloom and Wales one, there's, 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 there's still a lot of rumblings, you know, because it's got a big, big Welsh contingent there. But like, I just never seen a stadium go from so, such a, so loud and, 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 and constantly loud to just absolute silence. Like when the game ended, it just was like, I was once they awkward, just absolute silence. No one said anything. Sort of just everyone just walked on and like, like no, it was crazy. Madness. I tell you, you know, one thing, and why I say I'm going to change the subject slightly. You mentioned the plane that flew over. We uh, on Rugby Bit shared a, a, a tweet earlier on. There were a couple of guys on their way from Cape Town to Joburg. Uh, on Fly Safair and had their flight delayed by so much that they were about to miss, they were in line to miss the Springbok test. And it went and it blew up on social media. Not me, not knowing at the time, I was looking at this and then I saw that Fly Safair got back and they, they, they flew a plane from Joburg to Cape Town to fetch the guys. They left at one, they landed at three and they made, um, they supposedly made it to the, um, to the match on time. I didn't, see too much afterwards um but maybe we should follow up on that but uh it didn't really like i hoped obviously that that the the, the, the fans made it through but when that fly sapphire plane flew over ellis park i was like no ways there's no ways that like that would have been a marketing disaster had a whole bunch of fans missed the game because of a flight and the airplanes flying around, <laughs> going for a joyride around the stadium. <laughs> and, it's, and it's your plane. And you're like, guys, you told me there's no planes. Now this, I'm, watch, I'm literally watching this plane go over the stadium. <laughs> I, 
392 and Captain, what's his name, is taking photos and selfies with the fans yeah. below him. I, I was saying also, like, I mean, obviously the plane was a bit special. I mean, it was, it was, it was sort of like, because the fans at the top sort of saw it coming first and the boy went set till late. So you could, see, so you could hear the rumblings of people as it got closer, which was quite cool. It was, it was a bit of a surprise. Um, so like, it was like, even like down near the bottom, it was like, is a, is a plane coming? What's going on? Is it coming? There's a bit of murmurs. And until about, I was there about two minutes until the, the flight sort of came. I, I found out it was coming. Um, so it was like quite cool. But I was thinking like, if you're the pilot flying that flight, you might be like, are you upset that you're missing the game? Or are you more happy that you actually get to be the one flying over this park? A funny thing. I actually asked that question a couple of years back when I rewatched the 1995 game. And I was like, shit, I'm sure, I'm sure that pilot must have thought, like I've made history. I mean, I don't even remember who it was, but he totally would have missed the game. I'm hundred percent with you. I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to be inside a massive tin can and make, and like make it look cool, but no one knows anything. And then you totally miss the game. What's the vibe? Cause it's far to Oratambo. I mean, Oratambo is about at least 45 minutes or, it's fast. It's like still a land, and oh no, and like that, that's that, that, that's a, that's a hard call if you're part of it. like like if you're the one that misses the game, and then like especially like say the box one, you, you, you must have been cut it. Well, I think his timing. You know, it's not exactly a scooter. It's not exactly a scooter. You don't just park it and jump off and then head to the stadium. Like <laughs> he's got like he's got checks and stuff to do. You can't. You got to sign the plane in. I'm guessing. I mean, I'm excuse my ignorance, but you're not exactly like. Parking it, jumping off and bailing. <laughs> no, I think his, exactly. his his luck would have been probably that he probably got off the plane just as um, that first try by Sam Kane was scored because it happened pretty much like in the middle of the first half. So that would have really been a bit of a downer to <laughs> to his day as well after making, you know, like a bit of history flying that plane over. But yeah, I think we've delayed trying to talk about the game long enough. I think we now need to do the post-mortem. Sean, yeah, I think there's obviously been a lot of like opinion about like what went wrong and what's the biggest factor. We now know that it was Cooks um, actually attending the game. That was the first um, big thing that went against the Springboks. But I think let's talk selection. I think we have, you know, the Springboks have gone with a certain way of like basically putting their better players or like the impact players at the back end and then using the bomb squad and then and how and how they've utilized especially like marks and kits off but it did sort of bite us in the butt when now Bongi Banambi came out wasn't available Joe Dweber wasn't having his best game and we have seen like in the last few weeks or the last few the last year or so that we've really struggled with our starts is it as simple as just maybe changing and putting in Kits off and marks to start our tests, and perhaps we won't have to start games ten points behind like we have been the the last few games uh, this year and last year. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I think, firstly, you can't as a coaching team, especially in Test rugby, especially with the personnel that we have, expect someone like Dwayne Vermeulen not to be as effective or or be ineffective or as ineffective as he was. And then Joe Dweber, like, if he didn't have a massively poor game, he missed some darts. Sorry, I mean, if if Dwayne had a good game and Dweber was missing a couple of um of darts and and so so, it would have changed the outcome quite significantly at uh, the start, should I say? So it's really hard to have 
have, you know, to to lose Jesse Creel um, early and then have two guys in the spine of your side really, really not performing. It's um, it's kind of hard to to come back from that, which we did. So to answer your question, I think we probably gonna we'll probably still be rotating the the front rows. Um, I think we'll we'll be looking at those options where we'll probably resort back to having the front row combos either starting or benching, but then using those full combos over and over. I think that's where we got to be um, at the moment. And if for the time being, starting Kitsoff and Marks is probably going to be the answer because you know we want to get that platform, we want to build the confidence again, we want to start gaining the right momentum. And playing Australia in Australia is hard. We found out. We found out last year when we lost to a poor Australian side, and I say that in inverted commas because they turned the corner, um, but they turned it against us, and we we weren't expecting to to take two losses. So I think it's time that you know, no matter what's happening to Australia injury wise, that we select the strongest sides and we kind of maintain that. Just give the guys off the bench more time. Cox, and then just in terms of the composition of the bench, I mean we've been quite unlucky i think the last few games that we've always had an early injury or, or unavailability even in the wales test series with our backline players that there'd be a backline player that would get some sort of injury or concussion and then we've only got one back left in, in our bench you know this weekend it was jesse creel that, that got off with a concussion after nine minutes and that does obviously put pressure on like number one the fact that we only have one other backline player left after that and then number two um, the coaching staff's decision to reject the backline. How did you see? Yeah, how did you feel that went in terms of just you know putting Damon Willemson and Damon Dialendi at, at center, putting I'm on the wing, and, and then putting Villy at fullback? Do you think? Do you think there could have been an easier way to do that? Because there did seem to be a few miscommunications, especially defensively, with the reject backline and the and after Creel went off. Yeah, I think I like the way you asked. You started the question. Like, we've been so unlucky with that six-two split. Like you look back during the World Cup. I mean, France was coming on like in the last minute or last two minutes, and because we were able to get guys to the field. Whereas now, if you, if like oh, why are you elsewhere fourteen for the box? If you wear that jersey, like something's happening to you. Like either you're breaking your jaw, you're getting concussion. So good luck for the next person that's wearing number fourteen. Um, yeah, I think. It's such a it's such a it's such a weird one because you know I think on attack at times I thought we we looked we looked really sharp I thought Vili was sharp um um I mean um was sensational I think that's also due with the amount of ball he got at fourteen and because it, it is a position where our wings do get a, quite a few touches and, and and we did throw the ball around a lot more like we predicted on Thursday um I thought on attack I thought it looked a lot sharper we looked we looked a lot sharper with Damon and twelve the Damon. Williamson was fantastic on the weekend again. I mean, it made a few errors, but I think at twelve, just um, because the, because because at times you know what what is going to happen in terms was he going to patch it up? Was he playing short and behind? Or like you look at the the try from Pimpy throwing it long and 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 sort of hitting and and, and making an early decision to throw it long and while he's in the space, so Mukunga runs over. But yeah, I think obviously defensively it, 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 it's tough. I think with the box, especially the way they defend and they ask their wings to make to make a lot of hard reads and um when our backline is rejected like that and you sort of will uh in a different position i'm in a different position where i'm so good at 13 at 14 is going to make different reads that he sort of doesn't make it he doesn't make at um he doesn't have to make at um at 13 i, th- I think that's for me it's 
I don't. It, I, I just think that fourteen jerseys, as much as people, it doesn't seem like much. I think defensively is very, very crucial. It reminds me of the time when we played the Wales in the semi final, and Spungosi made a. Uh, he he didn't make a good read, and, and sort of Wales scored in the corner. And you go, man, like I'm not saying not, not saying he's a better Kobe's a better defender, but Kobe's so used to that system that he sort of he knows when he makes the read. Where like someone like Mapimpi, when he doesn't play, you see him when he's not playing eleven because defensively the reads he makes and he's so used to being in that position, it makes a massive difference. So with the box, I think that the Krill injury was massive, especially defensively with how the box defend in, the, in our defensive shape. I thought that was hard and some of the reasons when they and the All Blacks were able to take advantage of that. I mean, like, the high video trial started with them taking advantage of Amad of, 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 of Wild, seeing those spaces. So things, so little things like that, I think that was, that was the hard thing, th- those tweaks and making those reads and you're sort of second-guessing because you're not used to making them. The players are playing, like, Amad are used to making those reads because they're playing 14 all the time and Dillian's not playing 13 all the time. So you sort of, you sort of get caught out and now Damien's playing with Dylan is playing with Williams on the inside. So now all of that, and it makes a massive difference to a side when, especially the defense of the boss, it's so complex and you're losing key players and moving to key positions at wide. I just want to weigh, <clears throat> weigh in on this. I think a lot of the talk has been on, on the 6-2 and 5-3 bench. And I really, I don't care what we do because I don't feel like nobody plans for an injury in the first 10 minutes or 45 seconds, firstly. Secondly, like whether we go 5-3 or 6-2, we have a complete 23-man or 23-player plan on how we're going to manage, what we're going to do, how we're going to expose and stuff like that. So I don't think the bench is the problem here. Uh, I don't, I, 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 whether we, even if we had a 5-3 on Saturday, I, I honestly think if we had a 7-1 split on Saturday, we would have done better. So, like, that's because we ran out of gas up front. Like, I really, um, I really, really, really felt in the last two weeks that the books are looking a little bit, um, a little bit flat in a way. Uh, I, I don't know what the story is, but that's just the way it looks to me. So in terms of our five, um, our five, three, or six, two, it doesn't matter. And then with regards to the first test match, something like I, I did see it on Twitter and it made me think and it really makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm sorry to who sent it. I can't remember who you are. But when Fuff was injured, like whether you have a six, two split or a five, three split on the bench, if you lose your scrum off, you only have one scrum off left. It doesn't matter. Like our scrum off stocks are our scrum off stocks. Like, you're never going to have three scrum offs on the bench. So, like, that, you know what I mean? Like, when you look at that and people want to argue that we need to have a 5-3 because Fuff was injured, like, I just laugh it off. But I don't think that our problem was the bench on Saturday. I think, I really do feel that we made an error um, tactically with the, bunch of, the amount of movement we did in the back line, especially so early. But that would have always been the plan, and it was executed and it didn't work out and we'll take learnings from it. I thought Damien wasn't the best. He started his first two tests. He started at 13 and he's played 13 before. And he, again, recently he played 13. Uh, he had to make a move and he did quite well. However, this week the, from what we saw from um, uh, Lucania, I'm in the first test with that super shoot that we did, like he was shooting up and everything seemed fine, but we were very disjointed in defense 
not because of, of Monia 13, we were often not coming up in a line. Often, 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 it was very, very odd. And I don't understand that because that is our bread and butter. Like it really is. And I thought with the personnel we had, we'd probably be better at it. So I'm very interested to see what they do and how they focus on that moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, and when you rewatch the game, you do see some of the, I think, half miscommunications, half just not knowing or not really fully understanding where to be and where you need to be sometimes. And it's not obviously only Damien Dialendi's fault, um, you know, trying to do that at 13. I think sometimes it was maybe a bit of a miscommunication between him and his inside back to be like, okay, we're shooting up together. We're closing off this passing option. We're trying to rush up. Okay, let's sort of hang back a little bit and see what happens. They didn't really give themselves, you know, those decisions and make those decisions together. That's probably a consequence of them. I mean, the only two times they probably played together as a center combination is this test and I think the third test against Wales. So. There is, I think, some, there is, the, the, I think the one thing that I want to maybe um, sort of add on to what Sean said now is the one thing that I think the bench composition does give us is options. So, yes, I can, I, I see what you're saying in terms of the forwards tiring and they, they definitely was something that, it definitely felt like the, as the game went longer, both halves, that New Zealand was getting better and we were getting worse and you know ideally you'd have as many forwards as possible to 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 throw on but i think the other issue was because of the fact that we had we don't i mean look we've we've run through a few <laughs> right wingers in, in, uh, um, in our stocks we don't really have too many after that and we're going to talk about the the springbok squad a bit later but um now that we Maybe the, the number one, the one thing that they should have done is maybe put Vili at 14 instead of rejigging everything. Because I think even though you are putting perhaps Vili at 15 where he's more comfortable and Damien has obviously been fantastic at 12 the last six to eight months, you're putting your best player out of position and in a place where he can't impact the game as much at 14 than where he does at 13. And I saw a tweet that said, like, perhaps... Um, Creel doesn't, if, if Creel was still on the field, he wouldn't have scored the, the try that Am scored. But if Am was still at 13, he would have stopped those opportunities that um, at least three of the tries that New Zealand scored. So I think it's just a sort of a, a balance that you have to reach. And maybe if we had someone like Halant um, on our bench on, on Saturday or whoever, or whatever the option was, either you, you try and disrupt the backline as, as little as possible with the changes that you can make. And I don't think. Ninaba and the, the coaching staff did that when they put in, when they basically made four changes to their backline after the Creole injury. Like anything that makes you have to do that, then you haven't really covered that particular um, consideration in your bench. So that means either one of Vili or Vilimsa has to play 14 and has to mark Caleb Clark and try to execute from there, or um, you put in someone on your bench that can cover that particular position. So I think that's where the mistake was for the Springboks. And it really, well, it did cost us because you saw, especially, and we're going to talk about it later, but especially with Rico Yuani, he really was having, you know, the time of his life because he was almost playing someone that was less experienced than him at 13. Hooks? 
I also think, like you know, we, we talk about you talk we talk defensively. I think, um, I also think there's a lot of good All Blacks. I thought in terms of attack wise, I think like, I mean, they were but they were more pragmatic and they were, and, they, and they sort of also got, and they also sort of were able to get a lot more fun football. And and with that, they weren't just looking to run everything from from their own ten. And like, and and I thought that also played a, a big factor with the All Blacks. I think the All Blacks. When when they do get a bit of momentum, when they do sort of keep getting on the advantage, line, they, they do become hard to stop because I thought what what they're doing is like I said, the, the box of guys are using that position. And if you're fifty fifty against the All Blacks, they'll always pack, they always back the catch pass to get around you, always back themselves to sort of have the skills to sort of get around you to get around it. But also I thought it was, it was aided a lot by having the forward almost the the, the pack almost step up and. And 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 front up against the box physically as well. And I think that for their attack, it made a lot of different. Um, because it felt like last week, the box two weeks ago, the box were having their way with the almost because they, the almost could not get any front football. So the box sort of just were able to do what they wanted. The guys were running through the, the balls and coming on their terms. And and I think the All Blacks. I think the biggest thing defensively with the box is they ability to throw the ball down. And that's something that the, the All Blacks sort of. Sort of stop the, the phenomenal rug time. I think with the box, once once you, 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 they were able to sort of slow the ball down, I think the, the All Blacks sort of were able to get more reward out wide. And yeah, the, the, there were bad reads, but also I do think a lot of bad, probably not great defensive things in the box. But I do also lean towards more better All Blacks than just better attack. Yeah, the the thing that we we did and Tala agree wholeheartedly with you. I thought we made way too many changes. I think those changes were always planned to see what would have happened. So I'm obviously I subscribe to to what Jacques Ninaba, Rossi Rasmus and all like the the higher powers and everyone's belief and game plan is like I do subscribe to it. There's no there's no secret about it. So I do believe that what they're doing, everything is like a puzzle piece being put together and we're slowly growing in certain areas. But then we're also looking at other players in certain areas to see what happens because the 6-2 split is going to mean we're going to have to shuffle things around in the future or, and Saturday, obviously. But now we know maybe that that was too many or now we know that Damien Delaney's probably got to spend more time at 13. You know, there, there are two ways of looking at it. Like, how, what are we going to do with it? The other thing is, I think that the plan was always to be very expansive, especially when Vili came on, because there, we probably would have seen Vili come on a, a little, maybe maybe with 20 minutes to go, and the plan was we were going to be more expansive. I just think that the muscle memory on that kicked in from the get-go. So we were very, very expansive, which I, I liked, and we all liked, and we, we, we created so many opportunities. It was great. And we didn't finish them all off due to a number of reasons. Some good defense, a foot in touch, a couple of errors here and there. Um, but the thing is, is what we really did lack was we lacked quite a bit of go forward. And ironically, is two of our missed tries were created by Damien Delendi's pick up and drive. Like he created front football, which then created that opportunity for us. So we must be careful where we say, listen, we want... Willemsen uh, must start at 12, Damien uh, Delendi must get benched or something like that. I don't think he gets benched because I don't think he covers enough positions at the moment. The thing is, is we do need that guy to go forward. So is Pollard going to do it? And, and Willemsen is going to play more of a 10 role? 
I don't know. Like, so that's that's just this, the the thing. But I think in all, we agree that the 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 mass movements that we forced ourselves, no, that we did, that we we did it on our own accord, was probably our undoing. And the thing is, is the all that we were what eight minutes left in the game, nine nine minutes left, we were leading by a point. We were properly in the game, like. And 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 they they scored, they scored an excellent try, and then they scored at the end again. So, like the truth is, the game was a hell of a lot closer than the scoreline suggests, and we were totally in the in the running. And that like last eight minutes where we finally take the lead, we uh, we expect to 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 close that out, and we were we really looked dead on our feet. And I know I keep saying it, and Tala, um, I know it was Elizabeth. I think that message uh, replied to you on Twitter saying, you know, what facts and figures do you have behind saying that the players were tired and, and whatnot, which obviously we're just going on, on what we see. And it just looks, it looks to me that, and last week we had it, it the guys looked, uh, they looked flatter. They looked like the wind was out of their sails from a little bit earlier. Um, and obviously bringing the guys on a lot sooner for, for reasons that we all know was, was form-related, but that didn't have the impact for um, longer in the game. Because if we were able to delay the bomb squad coming on, let's say by another 10 minutes, you know, that changes things quite significantly. Yeah, and I think that's where maybe the selection issue, and that's where I think the the... Ninaba has to sort of go back into the lab and try to balance the selection, those selection poses for himself. And the question becomes, okay, yes, ideally you want, you know, Marks and Kitsoff and, and those sorts of players coming on at the 40th minute or the 50th minute and refinishing the game. But what's sort of the cost of that? And the cost of that perhaps is, you know, in this particular context, in this particular test, someone like maybe Joe Dwebo hasn't maybe had as much game time as, as you'd like him to have in the last two years, you know, what if he has a bit of a bad start and what if, you know, there's always swings and roundabouts. And I, I understand I was definitely not a fan of the bomb squad concept when it started in, in 2018, 2019, but I understand the whole thing of trying to finish with, you know, impact players and, and how that can sort of swing the game for you. But I think in, in certain circumstances, either through form, and for example, Marx is in great form. Uh, I think Billy's sort of had a bit of a renaissance now with his play at fullback. You know, those sort of players, when they're on hot form, I think you try to play them as many minutes as possible. And if it's a tactical thing, and you know, you have two players that are close to form, and one's a better start than a finisher, then fair enough. But if Marx is cooking like he is cooking, if Billy is cooking like he's cooking, I think... Rugby is also sometimes a complicated game, but it's also a simple game. And it's play your best players as many minutes as possible. Get Marks, Vili, and, and, and such to the 50th, 60-minute mark if they can. Then you try and throw on other people. And then hopefully you're not trying to play 10 points behind. And I think most of the issues with the Springboks are the fact that we have to always play test matches or a lot of our big test matches in the last two years have been from... A seven to ten or fifteen point deficit. Um, I think this is now the ninth test that we've um, gone in at half time um, behind um, in, in, since twenty twenty one, and that's definitely a concern for the Springboks. And I think it does come to 
okay, maybe we should actually prioritize our starts more than we prioritize our finishes because it's great to maybe try and do the comeback thing, but that can tire the team out as well. And sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. Um, let's maybe turn on to the positive side. And I think we have alluded to it. Um, it's, I think the one positive was our attack. And maybe one thing that we sort of stumbled apart with the reject backline is just how good our backline looks with Pollard, Willemse and LaRue all in our backline at the same time. Yeah, I thought our attack was, oh, I thought our attack looked a lot, much, a lot better. Um, I tweeted earlier, uh, I think Andre Pollard has quietly got himself back into form. Yeah, he, he did slip a, he did slip a tackle. I mean, like, but just missing Oli Sevier is not, he's not the first person or the last person to miss him on and one, especially in the full force. But I just thought that Pollard has quietly got himself into form, I thought. And he sort of, and he sort of like, you look at the Wells game, the third test, he's been kicking well. And last week, the first test against all Blacks kicked well again, sort of, and control the game. But this week, what is nice is his running game was a lot better, was good with ball in hand. And also, I, I do think that, I think also with Pollard, when you, when you add more guys, like more sort of playmakers around him, he, he, he knows when to sort of, when, when to defer and give pauses quickly because he knows he has, he, has, he has an extra option to create. But also with Pollard, because it's also quite big as well, he's, he, there's times he can pick up and almost himself be an option and, now, because you don't know whether Pollard is giving or passing or kicking, it opens himself up to me. That's when he's at his best because then, because he's so great taking the ball to the line, when he's, when he's off form, he sort of, he sort of he's, he's, he tends to tuck quite quickly. And you're like, oh, okay, cool, now no one's going to pass. You know no one's going to carry. Whereas like on the weekend, he was, he was able to just pop up in patterns and I thought Valencia was very good as well. But I mean, like, I think the biggest positive, I think, is Rukanyo Ama. I thought he's... <laughs> It felt like every time he touched the ball on the weekend, he was he was in a half break or creating something. I mean, the try he scored, he had no right to score from there. But again, that comes from what I enjoy the most. Like, like you look at his try, I mean, turn of a ball and how quickly the boss get the ball out wide. And you look at the, the Valapipi try as well, how quickly the Damon gets the ball out wide. We, the quicker we get the ball out wide for guys like... I was thinking, and something like Mapimpi, and he like, just creates options because they're such good players. And Mapimpi was like, quietly also very good on the weekend in terms of whether or is, if you were caught out and if, if he wasn't able to go around he was, he was kind of back in but he looked sharp when he had the ball and he, he used a lot more touches and I think the box when we look to go wide quite early in certain phases we become a lot more dangerous and yeah like I said you put the ball in arms hand I and mean, he's one of the best attackers in world rugby and it was nice to see him getting getting a lot more touches than he normally does and just being an absolute threat and, and, and the joy of seeing the backfield and like when you when he made that break and the desire to try, I mean, that's something we hardly get to see. But um, yeah, I think I thought an attack, I thought there's some, there's some positive, positive signs of attack. Sean, um, what do you want to sort of say to the, to the alt of Lucanio Am? Oh, there isn't much really. The guy's a, guy's a genius. I just wouldn't want to talk about him as well. But you know, the, the the one thing like our attack was great, but our, our first the first try our first try that we scored was absolutely perfect. It was a strike move. Everyone was perfect, and I tell you the one thing I will take my hat off to the All Blacks. They scrambled flipping well to get to nearly prevent that try. But I mean the way that we we hit that uh, we did well. We made quite a few errors on attack, which is. I'm quite, I'm happy to say it's not a negative. Like, it's just a, a great thing. Like, we, 
there were a couple of options we probably should have taken that 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 would have resulted in a more positive outcome. But, uh, but yeah, I think the great thing that came out of this weekend was obviously our attack. Everyone wants it. Um, you know, we we showed it, but we changed our whole game plan for it. So we now we're starting to see the pros and cons of both. But the players are starting to get used to both. So we'll be able to to integrate and switch between the two very very quickly. That transition between being a defensive attacking side and, a, and an attacking attacking side are, um, are, it will, will, will change in the Springbok setup because everyone is so used to us being a defensive attacking side. So now we start changing that game, the whole team, their whole mindset, and we'll start switching in the game from different periods where the guys will start learning and trusting each other and the process and the position on the field. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. The other thing that we also got answers to were a, a lot of questions and there were answers um, because of a negative outcome, like what do we need to do in future if the, these situations um, show up? Like if we lose a winger, you know, is a guy like Raymond Rule probably back in the mix again because he covers 13? You know, do we need to make sure that the guy on the bench is, is a cover at 13 or do we need to make sure that we, we, we cover elsewhere to leave Lukanya Am at 13? Because it's really hard. Like I want to play Lukanya Am at 13 and at 14 <laughs> because I think he's officially the best player in two positions at the same time in the world. So, you know, we're, we're in a great place. We've got the players to answer the questions, and uh, I'm I'm super happy. Um, Cooks, any other Springbok performances you want to shout out? Yeah, um, I think um, I thought like, it's not even like a, a shout out to as I said. I think Peter Septitoy is also showing glimpses of some good form again. Glimpses of what made him World Player of the Year on Saturday. I think um, like that, like that that, that, that massive. A line break here, the interception he had and he created. I thought he was also great. I think Peter Steff is, is is quite also. He's, he's been like uh, sort of lots been going on. Like it's been, there's been lots of stories of the box of guys playing well in terms of the Asper beats has been. He's had a good couple of games and Jane uh, Hendricks obviously. But I think I think also one thing that'll make the box coaches very happy is the former Peter Steff and him actually getting through. I mean, he's going through about four about about four tests back to back, which is exciting. And I, and I thought again the weekend he was. Just, 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 just being a menace, and, I, and and I'd hate to be a fly to play against him because he's, 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 he just seems like he's collecting flowers as he goes and just sort of hurting us. But yeah, I think um, I just yeah, I, just, I definitely did want to highlight him, and I, and, and I thought um, yeah, he had, he had another another strong game. So how long are Peter Steff's limbs just to get that interception that he got on Richie Monga? Like <clears throat> he's like an octopus. Kind of runs like an octopus as well because you could see that the pace probably wasn't there. <laughs> but just how, yeah, he was just brilliant with with just getting that interception, and you could see how he constantly just gets in the eye line of a of a fly half and, and is able to to stop those attacks. It's it's crazy. <laughs> what a great uh, description. But I, I tell you, we this. Uh, the South African, the Springboks definitely, we, we, so he definitely had white light fever there. But we, as a team, uh, we, we kind of wasted that try <laughs> because I really, like, everyone was like, no ways he's going to make it. And there were like three guys supporting him and they ran away from him. Then they had to run to him. And then we saw him. We're like, shit, we have to score here. And then Rico Yuani puts in a great tackle on Lucanio Um and stops it. And then we're like, no, we have to score again. And then we pooed it. Oh, man. But, Flipper, eh? the octopus. 
Yeah, um, unfortunately, Eben Etzebeth was um, the player that probably shouldn't have um, done the pick up and go where he did. Um, and he probably ruined the, the try effort because there was so many New Zealand players that were honeyed around that ruck that probably the pick up and go was the, the, the worst option to take instead of just passing it out wide or even just passing it once. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah that, that's true. But I tell you, he made up for it when he absolutely manhandled Artie Sevier, who was like a meter over the line, and said, sorry, buddy, I'm going to put you back on that <laughs> side. So he made up for it yeah, in that, in that way. Gonna, that was flipping ridiculous strength. I was going to say my play to shout out just, yeah, is Eben Etzebeth. I think he had a brilliant game, just considering that, yeah, the Springbok pack was largely matched, apart from maybe the scrums. He had a great game and he was able to just, yeah, he, he impacted so many phases of the game. Like he was the one that was trying to get a turnover in that first break where Audi Sevilla was um, down on the wing. He was the one that made a tackle on Will Jordan when he made a break as well. He was usually the first forward at everywhere that, you know, the Springboks needed him to be. And he was probably the one forward where I was like, okay, he's actually keeping up with the game somewhat. Maybe the other forwards are, sort of just falling behind the pace of, of the New Zealanders and they and them just sort of um, keeping the tempo up. So it's a bit, he had a great game for, for me. Uh, Sean, do you have a Springbok to, to shout out? Um, I'm going to echo w- what Cooks went on, but I thought Henry Pollard was good. Um, I thought a lot of the players have players to improve, um, but I thought Pollard is just going through his stuff. He is unleashing those 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 wind up passes that he that he has to do, but they're a little bit more accurate at the moment. Thank goodness. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great to have Pollard back in form. Um, it gives us great options. It also opens up our backline. Okay, so let's turn now to the other side. Cooks, what was the biggest difference? What did what was Ian Foster cooking? Because we were doubting that there was anything happening in that kitchen for the All Blacks, but. Clearly, he did. He, there were changes made, and the New Zealanders looked a lot better on Saturday than they did for the past few weeks. Oh, I think the big one, like we mentioned earlier, I think the forwards did have a did have a bigger game. I think obviously they stepped up in the line. I think um, Jason um, Jason Ryan has had a, an unbelievable start as the All Blacks forwards coach because for starters, their line was an absolute mess for coming off the island. They couldn't defend more. Um, the line was slightly better, obviously. Um, how do you pronounce it? Tukahawi. So oh, I was going to tell you, you the master of pronunciation. I think it's Takiaho. Yeah, Takiaho. I thought it was Takiaho. I thought he was phenomenal on the weekend. Um, obviously, the, the few throws he had missed, but I thought ball in hand, he was an absolute machine. But I thought also the way they contested Sam Whitelock was incredible and Scott Barrett. I think it maybe one of the best tests I've seen Scott Barrett play. And I think when he when he spends less time trying to be a nuisance. To, to to be a nuisance to opposition players and trying to get, uh, 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 try to take over the ball, he's, he's better just hitting racks and just. Excuse me, I thought he was good in the weekend. Yeah, humans, humans, semi-clock, just the amount of work they they, they got to. And I think even Etzebeth was so good, but I think he, he got slightly topped by Sam Whitelock, which is not an easy feat to do. And when when Evans playing on the Whitelock was very good, just great. Defensively, and I thought my biggest thing with the All Blacks was that Foss was able to get rolled. It was the intensity at rock time. I thought they cleaned very, very well, and um, and they just never allowed the likes of yeah. You know, there were a few areas here and there. I don't think the All Blacks are the French article yet. I still think there's like the way the, the way they let the box creep into the game. Like you look at the 
They were being beat on. All Caleb okay, Clark has to do is take that ball in, but then he sort of throws it to Richie Mwanga when the whole deep kick off all the backs, all the, the fours that they're boxing under pressure, all Clark has to take that in, secure, boom, in the corner of the tree. Tried, thought Caleb Clark tried, tried to force the play, boom, turnover, and then the ball goes back in the game. Look at early in the, second, in the first of as well, they just sort of found ways to, keep, to get the box back in the game. But I thought, yeah, I, I thought also with ball in hand, Mwanga is very good, but just deeper, and I was just a bit more braver. Because I, like, I, I do think with the boxes, you you got to be able to match them up physically, but you got to be able to look and be brave. We'll still be brave with ball in hand. Like you look at Will Jordan running the ball from the 22 after a mark with 14 guys on the field, still looking for, for something on our wide. There were times the All Blacks when they did look, keep looking for things that's on, but also they kicked a lot better as well. So I thought, all in all, I think for Foster, I think this is probably his finest test win. After all of that, because I, 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 I'm going to give him credit, and I think the players credit as well. Where the All Blacks were, I just did not see them winning in the call. I know they 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 a decent record at this point, but where they were to to find the gears and to come in home by twelve points, it's a convincing win. Yeah, I thought that's that's a, that's a massive for the All Blacks, and it just kind of shows that they still like this. Is what you say, you can never write them off, because I mean. I don't think there's many international sides who, who, win, who win that sort of right to come back and win. Maybe they win by, by a point, but to come back and win by 12 points. And also, <laughs> I could have this, yeah, oh, the altitude factor and then the flip and all blacks going to win by last minute try. Yeah, I think also, I think they're just more, they were just smarter. They played smarter rugby. I think that's probably the, the simplest way to describe what changed from the last two weeks. Instead of, you know, trying to run flat and being so flat that you're like you're always just up against the, the the rush defense. They played from a little bit more depth. They they kicked when they didn't really have good attacking ball. Like just doing those two simple basics, I think, just made them just a lot uh, a, a better team. But Sean, I think we we need to talk about the New Zealand number thirteen. I, I'm I don't know what his name is. Um. Uh, I think it's Rico Ioani. I, I don't know if you've heard of this player, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about him. Yeah, see, you're full of it, eh? So <laughs> he had a good game. He like this. You can't doubt it. But you know what you're trying to line me up for? I'm not going to give you, buddy. There's no way it's, it's going to happen. I also don't think uh, the. Um, I also don't think he was man of the match. Um, I thought that was that was quite generous because uh, Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett were brilliant. Uh, Artie Sevier, brilliant. Uh, some of the steals Artie Sevier made, I couldn't believe it. Like he 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 was he made one steal of us where I don't even think we saw it coming. Like nobody saw it coming. Same with Sam Whitelock, they were brilliant. Um, I thought Richie Moanga was the guy that they kind of needed, ironically. Um, like I mentioned, Burden Barrett was running everywhere and no, every, no one knew where to follow him where Richie Moang was playing a little bit more structured and then it brought Havili into the game. So I thought the midfield had a good, uh, had a good game. And, you know, Rico did well. I, I don't think, like, the guys are saying that he schooled Damien Delendi. I don't think he schooled him. I really don't. Like, I want to watch, I, I watched the game again today. I want to watch it again later to have a closer look. A couple of times he stepped inside, you'd always expect the inside man to get in. There were a couple of times he shook it off. But, you know, he had a good game, but uh, I, I don't think... You'd expect him to have a good game against a, a side that really didn't do well. Um, we missed lineouts. We 
we were defensively, we were poor. And it's not just our 13. It was as, as a whole, the side were disjointed on defense. So you would expect a guy that is a known finisher to find gaps and with his acceleration to exploit them. So um, is there anything else you wanted from me with regards to Rico? Sure. No, I was, when I was standing, I saw him give them his man of the match check. You were the first person that I thought of when I saw Rico getting it. But I must say, guys, <laughs> watching Rico, you won it right. Like, like, like what I said is that there's beautiful sights in rugby and like Tyler talked about the octopus in, in, in Peter's death. Watching Rico Iwane in full flight, and it, oh, it is, yes, it is. It, 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 like, it feels like he's gliding at times. Like, he's just, like, he is, yes. like, he's, yes, yes, like, watching that all grand, like, it, like it, 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 it doesn't look like sometimes like it's a fast look in the field. It's just like glides. And it just sort of feels like, I think it was, I think it was Villarue that he sort of stepped and, and he sort of dropped him when like, he gave him a little inside outside and he sort of dropped him, but, but he did it at, at, at full speed. But no, I thought, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Rico was better than the match, but I thought he was good. But like, it's weird. I don't think I, I don't think he was good in terms of like structure. I thought he's good when the the breakaway option is there, where you're sort of giving him the space to run. Where he's sort of he's, he's always sort of getting the outside shoulder. I think when the, when the game gets tighter, that's where he sort of struggles. And we saw it against Ireland and and in the first just against the All Blacks, where he does get tighter. And and I thought him. It's weird. Him, him and I really th- I thought they could game individually, but not combined if that, as, as, a, as, a, as a combination, if that makes sense. I, it's, you're 100% correct. Like, that is my thing. I don't think he's a good 13. He does lots of good things at 13, but a lot of times it's in open play. It's an unstructured space. It's defensively at 13 where I think that he, he, he falls away mostly. But He's a world-class player. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I would have him in the all-black squad. There was last season where I wouldn't have because I don't think he would have played on the wing or at 13. But this season, I'd have him in the all-black squad. There's no doubt about it. I just don't think he's that good at 13. And he had a good game against us, but he, the, we, we, are, we were to blame for a lot of it. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Now, I, it sounds like I'm being spiteful because I'm, I'm not. Like, I don't want to take anything away. but. The way you explained it, um, Cooks, was probably best. Like, uh, I, uh, that's the better way of putting it in that he, uh, when it comes to the structured side of things, that, that he does fault a little bit. Just when you talk about the midfielders and how they like, did stuff individually well, I thought that the All Blacks, sorry, Tala, I thought the All Blacks did really well on attack where they kept it tight for a little bit and then they did a little kick pass. So they weren't, they weren't one dimensional. They actually, they, when we got too comfortable with one thing, they spread us. And then we and then we kept moving backwards and forwards. So it kept our inexperienced backline on defense thinking the whole way. No, I think Sean and Cooks, you've you've described I think two things really perfectly. I think number one, just with what you've just mentioned, Sean, I think what the All Blacks were trying to do was they would go because they wanted to go quite. They want to basically go side to side as quickly as possible. So they would go to the one side and have like a big midfield move and tie up. I think they were doing this, especially when it was Amin Dialendi in the midfield. And they, <clears throat> this is how Savia got his break in the first few minutes. They had a move where Riccioni would run to the centers and then tie those two up. And then the next phase, um, Havili was the one trying to look for that kick pass in order to go wide the other side because he knew that it was only Creole 
Pollard and the forwards that were defending on the other side. So they're trying to go from side to side as quickly as possible. And then obviously as now people moving to different positions, the gaps opened up even more and they were, they, 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 they were able to ex- exploit those gaps. And I think Cooks, you're correct in how you describe that. I don't think Havili had maybe the best game myself, but I think they did things individually well, but in terms of them working as a combination, there's still a lot of room to grow. And, you know, I think whoever the new coach is, Foster or whoever comes in to replace Foster, because that's still uncertain, they would have to really think that they have to ask themselves, was this something that was sustainable or should they actually just cut their losses now and actually put in proper centers? Because there is one Jack Goodhue that um, is, just made his return um, to Northland this weekend. So, but I think what Rico did well was number one, I think in defense, his pace in defense is just amazing because anytime that he overshoots Ami and he misses a man and, the, and there's a little break made by the Springboks, because he's just so brilliantly fast, he'll just run and just catch up to that player. So it nullifies that risk, especially if your team doesn't capitalize on those little breaks or half breaks that, that, they, that they make. And then number two, and this was, I guess, a consequence of Rishimanga playing at 10 and, 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 and them finding some space. His ability when he has the ball um, to, to, to make, uh, to, to gain meters is just brilliant. And just that one interplay that, that um, in the first half between him and Walt Jordan was just so good of, of, of them just using sort of, what, six, seven meters space and just passing the ball um, between themselves in order to make 40, 50 meters. That was just absolutely brilliant. And I think what the New Zealanders did well was they just played from depth and just gave themselves a bit more time to make the decisions to find who's the right player to, to run into a hole. And then like Cook said earlier, the, the forwards actually stepped up in terms of racking um, in the game as well. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see like, you know, in some ways maybe because I think I think we're all on the same camp that this is still not maybe the optimal New Zealand team, even with the players that are available. So is this maybe one of those wins that tricks, you know, a team or a coach to think that things that weren't really working before, maybe they do have a chance of working. It's like one of those wins where you're like, oh no, this means now, like, for example, with like United, Manchester United fans, they would be like, oh, we've won a game and now Fred was playing the midfield and now you have to see Fred and McTominay play, to, play in your midfield for the next few weeks. And that might be in some ways what happens with the New Zealanders now because there's still some, the, the jigsaw puzzle isn't fitting together. There's still some pieces that they have to get if they want to be more consistent from now on. Cox? I think, Tolo, you're 100% right and spot on in terms of what 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 this win will do. Um, I think for me, what was interesting in what Ian Foster probably doesn't get credit for. I mean, when he named that side last week, I think we were all saying, "Oh, Jesus!" Like I expect more change, especially in the midfield and things like that. And especially well, the test Dave Ivili played. I think for me, what was interesting is how differently they used him and sort of almost used him as a second ten, which is a role that I think is he's he's sort of done a lot of the Crusaders in terms of like where he was. He, he, he was doing a lot of a lot of kicking, a lot of sort of. If Mohanga took it in, he, he was coming in the first phase, and I thought that sort of added a different element. And I sort of, especially when they were getting such quick ball, and then you always have a second option, uh, 
at 12 and, and I thought obviously last week when we thought maybe his test career was over I thought he, for me he showed me he showed why he could be a good test 12 I just think like because last uh, times that last year this in the first this season was a basher you like you must then someone get down to David Lindy's throat without making him off any more questions you in for you in for a long day but yeah I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks in New Zealand do you stick with Fozzie do you finish when he started, because I think the weekend, we, I think Fuzzy kind of showed that he is still a great, he's still a good attack coach. And and I think for that, for me, it kind of shows that, for me, it comes from the back line. We, we only made the, the change for Barrett and for Mwanga, but still sort of stuck with his way and just sort of tweaked. Instead of just making all those changes, he just backed himself to sort of make a few adjustments and those adjustments paid dividends. Okay, I think just... Final quick words on, uh, just before we transition to the Springboks squad, final quick words on just where this puts the Springboks in terms of the rugby championship and where this puts everyone in the rugby championship. So Argentina also, they, they had a massive performance beating Australia 48 points to 17. And they're currently top of the rugby championship um, log um, with um, five points. And Australia also has five points. And then the Springboks in New Zealand also have four points each. Now, with this new rugby championship format, we have played two games at home against New Zealand, but that means now three of our remaining four games are away. And this also means that three of the four remaining games for New Zealand and Australia are at home. So, Sean, let's start with you very quickly. Who do you think now is in the driving seat for winning the rugby championship with four games to go? I'm going to say the All Blacks. Um, it's between the All Blacks and the Springboks, I believe. We... Uh, we're expecting the All Blacks to get two wins against Argentina. Um, and it all really hinges on how we perform in Australia, which historically is not great. But hell, man, let's let's go and, uh, and upset the, the favorites. Why don't we? But I think the All Blacks, with what has happened now, them going back home, there's still going to be some stuff. They're still going to have to prove some doubters. Maybe everyone else gets another two-week reprieve because bizarrely Ian Foster doesn't really know what's going on in his world. Um, so that's kind of still in limbo, but I, I, I reckon he's still on the chopping block, but I reckon he's going to go out holding two fingers up in the air and, uh, and do really, really well. Um, so I think the All Blacks get two wins against the Argentinians and that will set them up for, you know, a great home and away against Australia who are really, really struggling at the moment. So I'm going to go the All Blacks. Cooks, is there maybe an argument for the Wallabies? You know, two games against South Africa, they obviously have a great record um, against the Springboks. There's at least, if, if not win the Bledisloe Cup, they can at least split the two games. And it might be maybe a bonus point here and there. They could be the ones that um, are able to get five wins or, or, or four wins and, and, uh, and sneak as the, or actually five, four or five wins and, and be able to sneak over as the rugby championship winners. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be, yeah, first to four wins for the winners thing. Um, I think the Wallabies would back themselves to at least be, to, to beat the in the box in South Africa twice because knowing they can do it. But I think oh, it's tough without Craig Cooper and Sam McCreary. I mean, I think the, oh, the Wallabies have lost, have lost the game where, where Cooper started. I think he's played for 80 under Dave Brady. I know, I mean, they, they was, was injured. That last test, 
but um, they tend to not to lose on Coopers there. I think, and, and, and that'll be a massive thing, a massive, a massive loss. This moment of Bernard Foley coming back, and um, but yeah, I think that definitely a shout for the Wallabies. I think I, I thought that was was for Argentina as well until the the, 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 the European players could also get put to the clubs in Europe. I think that that'll be a massive. I think Argentina showed quite a bit on the weekend, and and the Wallabies as well. I think that the, the eighteen points the Wallabies scored it doesn't sort of reflect. How well they played and how well their shape is going. So, yeah, I think the Wallabies should have a chance, but I'm saying it now, guys. I'm surprised if Argentina still a win in New Zealand. Yeah, oh, who knows these days? I think anything is not. Yeah, nothing is out of the out of question, especially with this rugby championship. There's there's surprises that that can still happen. I think let's now transition to the. Very, very freshly announced Springbok squad. This happened, I think, just an hour before we started recording. So South Africa's announced their squad to travel to Australia for, for their two matches in the rugby championship. It's a much smaller squad than the squad that was um, used for the home matches against the Welsh and New Zealand. It's a 34-man squad. So they've been players that have just been um, you know, taken out of that squad just, just due to the numbers. The big news for the squad is Bongi Monambi is not traveling with, with the Springboks with his injury. So there's only two hookers that have been taken, Malcolm Marks and Cho Dweber, with Jan Ferry as a potential utility forward. And then there's just a, a, a list of players, usually um, mostly URC players and non-Springbok regulars that, have been, um, that, that aren't in the squad. You know, the likes of, um, the likes of Ruan Okia, Evan Rus. Um, they they haven't made the squad, and then in the back line, the the one big thing is Guabas Reinach and and Andre Estes have have joined the squad. Sean, let's um, what are you? What's what's the biggest surprise that you see in that in that squad? I had a nervous break time when I saw there were only two hookers, um, which which stressed me a little bit. Uh, but obviously, we know that that we do have cover there. I my biggest surprise were was funny enough with scrum halves. Uh taking four scrum halves. Um I really I I thought Grant William Grant Williams has been dropped. I think it's very, very harsh on him. I really would like to see more of him. Uh if we're taking four scrum halves, I would like us to take um to split the the grouping in terms of their their assets. So even though Ranach is a good kicking nine, he is, he is a good kicking nine, but he's more, we more want him as a running nine, and the same with Williams. And now with Jaden Hendricks taking up that, that starting role, so Fuff and Hendricks would be the starting kicking nines, and then I wanted to have uh, Ranach and, uh, and Williams. So that, that's where, where I was quite surprised. I thought we could probably be a little bit more balanced there. The... Um, the other thing, uh, I think, can we talk about Sabun Corsi? Uh, I know he's been injured and he's on the comeback, but does anyone perhaps know? Well, he's training with the Bulls. Is he just not available or has he fallen out of favor? So that, that's the thing that I'm not sure about. But as far as I'm aware, the official, in inverted commas, is, situation is that he's probably coming back from, from injury. But we could really use him um, on the right wing. The bonus is we get to see uh, Moody a little bit. And the other thing is, is the guys that, um, which I really am happy about in that squad, 
the guys that everyone is shouting to get dropped or maybe didn't have great games of recent, like recently, are in the squad. So I'm very happy that Dweb is still there. Um, I, I would like, I would like him. The Springbok sort of management and and Jacques Nienaber is that we, he's very much in terms of if you're in the mix, you're in the mix, and it's going to take you a while to fall to fall away. And only the fringe guys are rotated out mostly. You know, the guys that are really umming and on. So I'm glad that Dweber is still in the mix and still gets an opportunity because he's better than he was on Saturday. The same with Dwayne Vermeulen. I don't think they would have dropped him, to be honest. And also Elton Yanchis. I would like to see more of Elton Yanchis. I don't, his game against Wales, if, if that's how people remember him and think how he plays, then, then you've, you, you need to have a, have a think about things <laughs> because he is better than that. And, we need him to be better. Um, there's no doubt about it that we need him to be better. It's just how are we going to bring him into the game? You know, Pollard's playing well. Are we now going to give Pollard a little time off or we're going to go back to 5-3 so Yanchis can play more? Are we going to start Yanchis and rest Pollard for one game? I don't know how it's going to work, but, you know, we, we've got a small squad. We've only got two games and then, we, and then we're back home again. Um, but, yeah, that's my, that's my general take on it. Other than that, I don't think there's too many... Other major surprises uh, in in that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of selection poses and questions that are even that are posed even in this squad. Cooks, um, I think the the one or what 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 is your how can I put this out? What is the sort of the question that you would like for you would like answered after this Australian these 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 two Australian games? And I guess I'm sure. We're going to pick something close to our best squads um, for the two test matches. We're trying to win the rugby championship. But if you could, is there maybe a combination or a particular player that you want, that you think there needs to be a decision made on or you want to see get some game time for the box? I think the big, <laughs> the big question is, can we, can we finally win a test in Australia again? Cheapest 2013 seems like the longest time. For us not to not to win a test there, um, I, I think one of the biggest question is probably the the Dwayne question. Um, I think um, I'll I think we will see him back in the field. I think and I, I want to see him back in the field and uh, and I think um, and I think it's interesting to see how he looks this time around. Obviously, it is tough to come back from an, to come back from an injury and sort of come back from an injury and sort of a stranger test match and. And especially when as intense as the All Blacks. I know we, like for example, like Sean mentioned, Alton Yankees, and, and we all defended him because he had, he had played such a little rugby. And even Dwayne, he's coming off, he's coming off an injury. So I, I do sort of feel like he, and I do feel like I, I, he has earned the benefit of the doubt. And I'm happy to give Dwayne the benefit of the doubt. I think that's for me, is probably the biggest one. And, um, and yeah, because we know that, um, we know that um, we, you know, I mentioned that uh, reading really the article, the squad announced that uh, he's looking to make changes in the Argentina test. So someone like Rose sort of does come back. So, and and I do think for us to win the championship, we're going to have to win both these games. And um, and I'm six, and, and and I'm keen to see the the dynamic of how we'll play and who will sort of play when we play Argentina's two tests. But I'll. I'll I would love Sean also to my awards and I'd love to see maybe a fire three split with Yankees on the bench. Elton Yankees, I'd love to see him back in the mix. But for me, it's the big question is answered is and also from Stan as well. 
are we going to bring him back? Well, what's going to happen? Is he back? Is he going to play games? Is he going to play? And then, because I mean, now it is, or has Damien become that sort of our new utility forward? I think that was the sort of, those are the two big key questions that I'd like to know. You know, on the, on the, on the Ruiz situation, obviously, you know, like a lot of people are like up in arms, like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? How's Ruiz not traveling? It's an absolute disgrace. We, we covered it, and I know Jared focused a lot on it, in what does Ruiz offer and how many other players or, or how many other roles do other players need to pick up in order for Ruiz to be there. But he's not going, and, and the reason why Ulrich is going is the same reason why we probably saw more performance, uh, saw a better performance out of Ulrich Lowe than, than we did out of Ruiz against Wales is because Ulrich Lowe is more there as a blindside flanker can play eight, can play four, and he can he can cover the line now. So Roos is quite um, he's kind of pigeonholed at the moment in his in his play. Um, Roos would have probably Roos would be is the kind of player right now for us that we need to name our absolute strongest starting lineup, have a six-two split, dominate up front, and when the game opens up, when you bring on Vili in the back and you have Willemser at 10 or at 12, and Um's there, everyone's good in the back line, you know, we're sending the ball wide, and then you can bring on Ruiz, who's just going to absolutely go carnage. So uh, I think for the time, it's not going to happen. I think we will see him. I think everyone must just, just calm their farm a little bit. He will come into the mix. Like, I don't think he's a poor player. I just think that he's not 100% ready for what we need him for as of yet. But he's still going to be class, and he's still going to get a chunk of Springbok cap. Yeah, I think that's that's very true, Sean. And I, I don't think any one of the players that have, I think even been dropped from the original Wales squad, I think there's nothing really to do with their lack or anything that they're sort of lacking in the, in the game right now. I think they just need to bide their time and wait for the opportunity. And as you said earlier, Jacques Ninaba and the Springwell coaching staff may be to their detriment, but I think... I think it's it's a wise strategy. They they will give players a chance if they like in the, if they're established as like the top two or three options in the pecking order up until that player completely either plays them out plays plays out like his form has a big drop or the like injuries are a factor for him. So that's I think that's good because those players can are then trusted by the coaching staff and then are able to really return to the level that they need to return to in order to play well. Um, yeah, I think my two quick thoughts are, number one, it doesn't really make sense to take three scrum-offs um, to, to Australia. I mean, four scrum-offs to Australia. I think we would have been better served with Herschel Yankees going, coming back home and, and joining the Stormers for preseason. And just, I think it will be just better for him to get some confidence into his game as well and to just build... Um, some momentum by being with the Springboks and trying to play um, games with, with them and then trying to get some form. Number two, kind of the same issue, but we actually, and I, yeah, I think Cook's alluded to it. We actually have four inside centers in our Springbok squad. I mean, yes, Damien and Franchostan can play other positions, arguably Damien Dalendi and Estazen as well, but you can't see a, a situation where all four of those players play even if we do rotate our squad so I don't think there's much point in doing that so you know either 
between Francois Stein or Andre Estes, and one of those two should maybe go home or, or stay or stay stay for preseason, and then then maybe another more of a utility back. Someone maybe like Raymond Law is, is taken into the squad, but and number Tala, yes, like real realistically. Between Francois Stan and Andre Esterhazen, they probably pro, pro, excuse me they, they probably are going to have ten minutes of Test rugby in the next two tests. If we if we if we if things go the way we expect them to go, I mean it's quite weird. And yeah, even if if we do completely change our side for Argentina, only one of them will play twelve, and then the other is probably going to be on the bench. I, I can't see both of them being on the team. Because Kalan probably plays 15, or one of them will be on the bench. So I don't, yeah, I don't really see what the goal is here. I think this is this was the, always the issue with Esthazen. And yes, I know he can probably cover wing, and he can maybe play fly half, but he's not really a utility back in the same way that Stain is, for example. Which means that unless Dialendi is either injured or you know his form isn't really doesn't really pick up, there's there's no real place for him in the in the Springbok squad but that's another issue I think the main thing is if we wake up on a Saturday morning and remember ladies and gentlemen the sat- the test match on the 27th of August is at 7am South African time because we're playing that afternoon test match in Adelaide let me not get Cooks riled up again but if you do wake up the morning of the test match and you hear don't, don't, don't give me some time don't give me some of those bastards again let me let me see let me see if I can oh. raise your blood pressure again Let's say, gents, that we here on Saturday morning at 5 a.m., Malcolm Marks out with, you know, he sprained his pinky. Joe Dweber starts Dion Ferry off the bench. Cooks, what do you say? Oh, jeez. So, like, what, 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 what did I do to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, just, I, I, I like shame. And, and like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just want to think about anything that, that, that's starting at half past seven, but I'm not. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's the bad. That's the last bad omen that's going to happen now. Um, I, I did see, I did see Dion throwing really well in the warm up on the weekend. I think oh. he sort of warmed up with the, with the side, and he's been, yeah. And then, um, yeah, he's, he's doing a few darts. He's been. Even Josh mentioned that he's been doing a lot of throwing as of a practice. So, I think, and, he, and if they're comfortable with him, the third choice, and um. Yeah, and he, at least he's looking. He's looking sharp right, from, from the throws I saw during the warm up. But um, yeah, half past seven. You know that, like I'm, I'm, the, the, the first time ever I'm gonna watch a box test, and I'm gonna watch the school sevens tournament straight afterwards. That's how early the game is. <laughs> like I'm watching sevens in the afternoon. Yes, you mean by the, by the time the, okay. when the Springboks finish playing the Wallabies, the under nines are only kicking off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like that's right, like at wait, the crack I, of dawn, mate. The sun's just came yeah, up. The no, coffee's no. not. The birds haven't even started chirping yet. Sure, and it's terrible. Like, I'm, but the, like, like, I'm gonna have breakfast after the bucket. Like, and, 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 and like, that's when hotel breakfast aren't even done yet. <laughs> Jeez, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me not. Yeah, I'm a good man. Let me not. Let me, let me get more rather. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even go and get breakfast after the game because it's not open. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. Just like, wait. Like, sorry, it's, it's nine o'clock. Breakfast starts. Like, oh, jeez. Like, what are you doing? Watch the box. Watch the box. Up at seven. That's what I was doing. Build up. Shame, poor Martin. And the bullets. Now the bullets are up as five. Oh, jeez. Yes. How are they going to wake up? What time? That? What time would they have to get to studio? Yeah. No, man. You've surely got to be in studio at like four thirty. 
No, you normally so like yeah, it's 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 actually silly because if if it's, it's normally two hours, your call time is normally two three hours before you go live, or two hours. Yeah, like so oh. if I if I if I'm gonna be in studio, and we're recording at, well, I had one more recording. I was recording at one o'clock. I've been there at eleven. So now now you're gonna be in studio. I mean, you look you're looking at a five o'clock start. I mean, getting to studio all because all because for an afternoon test in Adelaide at a cricket stadium. What the hell? <laughs> but, uh, but we'll probably only do a half an hour build-up. It won't be a massive two-hour build-up. But, but I'm sorry, Cooks, please carry on. Tell us more. So afternoon starts, Adelaide Cricket Stadium. Talk to us. <laughs> Beautiful place. Yeah, Lovely sure, kick. Sure, it's always supper <laughs> like seven. Like I'm, I'm gonna be so distraught. It compromises my Friday as well now because now. It's just... <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of South Africa. That will be the quietest Friday in like in South Africa in history. Yeah. No one's gonna be able to go out. I might no, just go through, no, no, actually. no. I might just go through. Just, <laughs> you know what? Just, just, yes. just go until kickoff. Just go until kickoff <laughs> and just power your way to the line. There's gonna be there's gonna be a few groups of people. There can be some people like. Let's go for dinner and a couple of drinks so we can get an early night. And then at like half past 12, they're like, well, hang on a second. Maybe we can push through. And then they give it a whirl. Then there's going to be that group of people going, let's go for dinner at nine o'clock so we can have drinks and stuff afterwards and then intentionally push through. And both sides, there's going to be, there's going to be casualties both sides. <laughs> There'll be oaks that are not making it, missing it, didn't even bother to set the record button. They're going to be guys that are going to have to watch the game again in the afternoon because they watched it but didn't see it. If you know what I mean, <laughs> this is amazing. No, I I really and please tweet us at Rugby Bits if you're the person that wakes up and realizes that oh no, I'm watching now highlights of I don't know Marysburg College versus like Hilton or whatever like on 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 Premier Schools instead of watching the Springbok game because you thought it was at twelve. Please tweet us because. There will be at least one South African that does that, and I really can't wait to find out who it is. Yeah, but the dirt trackers, the, our dirt trackers, are, I mean, they've heard. The most entertaining part of our last few pods has been Cooks's rant about the situation. <laughs> We've had now two. It's, it's by far the highlights of my, of my few pods. So, <laughs> like, our dirt trackers are fine. Our dirt trackers are fine. It, they only, it'll be a casualty. It'll be someone who's, who's pushed push too hard too fast that that falls away is the the sprint not the marathon you know on that case if the wallabies are playing up a seven before i leave before i go to bed i need to check what time our game is against argentina is going to play away in this case we might get the, the horrible all blacks time at like almost one in the morning <laughs> oh jesus oh yeah i took 9am yeah. to start some mendoza for granted 9pm to start some oh they must watch the they must they must watch the box at almost two like instead, of, instead of like looking for like you know the, the stragglers on the night after the single logs like, I prefer a box game <laughs> like that's the worst time I'm gonna sacrifice looking for girls to watch the box like at that time <laughs> no can I, I can tell confirm. you you know cooks I mean I by no means uh, cooks I don't mean to to like to stoke the fire but I'm totally gonna do it because this is way too entertaining but do you know that after this absurd kickoff time and this game between the Wallabies and the Springboks that the 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 all black Argentina game doesn't kick off straight afterwards eh? <laughs> I also think what? it's a little bit later I think it's later is this like a bonanza round here? Just, 
just go against all traditions, you know? No, like, okay. At least you can do it if, if, if you're going to make it that early. Give me like a, like, you know, sometimes super rugby, like you wake up a bit early, like the Crusaders and Blues are playing on half past nine, but then you're like, oh, you're up at like seven, can't sleep, and you wake up and it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, there's like, there's an early wallet, like in your Australia game, it's like the, the Force versus, you know, like, like, like the Sun Wolves, and you're like, it's great, it's fine. Super rugby, you want to watch the main game, but like now, they're treating like the, 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 they're treating the box game like like is he watching the Western Force <laughs> and like uh, the Sun Wolves, and now the worst part is nah. there's no all no game straight afterwards. Like I said, they're gonna wait for that now as well. Oh. No, no, no! I, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I should have just left it though because that was world class. Okay, so we kick off at seven thirty in the morning, and then. New Zealand. Are we allowed to call them the All Blacks again? Probably not. No, eh? So New Zealand Blacks, versus no. Argentina. Okay. All Blacks versus the Pumas is at 9.45. So you've got enough time to go downstairs, grab a quick hotel brekkie, and then shoot to the bar. <laughs> so where I got confused yes. is uh, New Zealand and Australia women are playing afterwards uh, at the 11.30 kickoff, I think. And as you take another box play, Argentina and Argentina at 10 past 9. Oh, that's... That's fine. I mean, that's, that's a good time, you know. I, I, that's the only great thing about that, you know, you can still, it's a win-win. I can take the mizzah for supper at five o'clock, <laughs> have a great supper, have a great date, still be home, have, have, have like two beers, so just keep me going, and then still drop off at home, kiss a good night, and then watch right with the boys. That's, oh, okay, I feel a little bit better now. I, I can sleep, I can sleep better now, because if, if that game started like, Hop was 12 or Hop was 11. That would be the death Cooks. of me. And then I'm literally boycotting the championship myself. <laughs> I will not watch another championship game again. Cooks, what's your feeling? <laughs> what's your feelings on uh, the, the first Bledisloe Cup game being on a Thursday? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, please. I'm not joking. <laughs> On a Thursday. It's on a Thursday. Why? I think some. Why? I think some like oh, believe. No way, guys. I think. No way. <laughs> on a Thursday. So you think there's one game that weekend? Yes. On a Saturday. On a Thursday. Are they are they playing again on Saturday? Are there been two games that week? No. So it's Thursday, Saturday. It's Thursday. So we <laughs> Australia plays the All Blacks on. Thursday to twelve on a school day, and then on Saturday we play at nine p.m. Oh. against the Argentinians. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on a Thursday, is it like Independence Day or what? Like what's going on there? I think it's some right. There's some right. <laughs> on a Thursday, Thursday. 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 <laughs> like, when Thursday? It's like, when the Maori's present Thursday? It's been a Tuesday. It ain't nice enough. It's a Tuesday. It's not the way. Thursday. You know? Like, oh, you know, can... like, Captain's Run Day. Like, the boss man wants to get because they're busy training. Thursday. This is absolutely sensational. <laughs> the, 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 the whole, this what whole tournament starts... <laughs> This whole tournament started off with this whole mini tournament where, where the All Blacks New, <laughs> New Zealand came to South Africa for a mini tour and Australia went to Argentina for a mini tour. And we're thinking, going, this is bloody sensational. Like how cool each year the first two rounds are going to be mini tours. And then it comes down to this absolute shitstorm. I don't know what else to say. Like this 7.30 Australian kickoff in the armpit somewhere, and then they're playing Thursday rugby. Like, and it's not exactly, 
But it's not exactly a nothing game. It's a Bledisloe Cup game. Like, are you shitting me? Because that is incredible. Like, how were they able to get away with a test? With a, with a test on, uh, afternoon test on Saturday, first and foremost, like it's, <laughs> like it's Grey Bloom versus Paul Rose. <laughs> and then another, 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 another test on a Thursday. <laughs> Yo, guys. Oh, my word. Oh, guys, I'm, I, I'm done with every championship. I'm only watching that like, when you play June series in the year tour. When the European teams go on holiday, I'll go on holiday. I'm telling you, like, you season three. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna see me. Oh, jeez! Imagine you lose to the start. They play right on a Thursday. Oh, <laughs> Europa League. Like, oh, goodness! I don't watch sport on a Thursday. What? There's nothing to. There's no, there's no sporting event that I watch. It's the one day I don't watch sports. Now I watch rugby in the morning. Like, like you can't, you can't even like move meetings. Like, sorry guys, can't be this meeting because the rugby's up <laughs> on a Thursday. I've heard it all. A test match on a Thursday. And even like the touring teams, the Lions play play on Thursday. It's nice. Like no one plays on a Thursday. Not even like. Oh my goodness! Like oh jeez! Oh oh oh! If the All Blacks do not win, oh if they do not win this Blazers Cup, oh oh jeepers! Maybe lose to the Listen, the on Thursday. I'll cry. Every if the All Blacks lose the Blazers Cup, you know that next year every game's on a Saturday. So <laughs> maybe that's where you need to be. If I'm if I'm the All Blacks from now on for making the Wallabies play on the first day, I'm scheduling every single test at, at Eden Park and then they play the Wallabies. If they play five test series, they play all five <laughs> at Eden Park. If they, like, even if it's a neutral venue, like, sorry, we're not playing them at Eden Park. Just like, or, 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 or like, do what they do in cricket, like those, those, those built-in pitches, they drop these pitches, they just drop off the turf <laughs> of Eden Park and take whatever they're with you when you play against the Wallabies. Or, yes, or, after, last, or after this last weekend, if if they lose it, maybe maybe the maybe the All Blacks are going to host the Wallabies at Ellis Park for a seven yeah. pm kickoff. <laughs> because that that'll be three am in Australia. <laughs> Screw you guys. Then, like I said last time, if the all if the Wallabies when, when the Wallabies come in next year and they're not staying in Brackburn or Boxburg or like Kimberley, Kimberley, <laughs> if and they, they, they can't go to they can't go on safari. They can't do anything. I need them to be like, just like, just like we need. They need to. We need. They need to tour one of the, the roughest places in South Africa, and just like, and, 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 and guess what? And play the game on a Wednesday at like no, actually move the championship to Feb or when it's hot, and find the hottest day in South Africa and just let them play at one o'clock. Let them suffer for this, and because this is terrible. <laughs> on a Thursday, Jesus, test match right on a Thursday, like. You, you, you think it's the highlights. That's when you genuinely think it's the highlights. You just watch the division, then you just miss the you test. You think it's last year's test. Like, <laughs> now, now, now we need to have like three parts in the week. One on Monday to dissect the test in the weekend. Now one on Wednesday now to prepare for the holidays. And on Thursday for the boxing. That is so selfish. That is extremely selfish with those guys. I think now maybe make a podcast in these times. There's, like watch, watch things. Woke up final. Woke up final on a Tuesday. Next year, Paris. So we're choosing the woke up final because the Wallabies are busy that weekend. No, the French. If they get there. The French would never do that to us. Don't trust me on that. The French would never yeah. ever do that to us. Okay, so we now know what Cook oh, thinks about Thursday rugby test matches. We we are now well aware. I think this is good. This is therapeutic. 
Um, let's end the podcast here. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Rugby Bits podcast. Thank you so much, Sean and Cooks. Um, I think I hope that people in Sansa have heard um, what our what, what our lawyer rugby fan Cooks has said about about these things. And if this doesn't change, I think Cooks will walk straight up to the Sansa uh, to the sorrow offices himself and try to work up a deal with with Six Nations to to play there from from now on. It better be in Bloom. I mean, I mean, they better be in Durban. That's the only reason I'm going to Durban now. I'm having chats. Syria, like, like, you know who I am, guys. I'm just, I'm just saying, listen, either we fix this thing, like, I think we go back to the Tri-Nations, Argentina, Springboks, All Blacks. That's what we go back to. Right, he's dying on, right, he's dying on, sorry, anyway, it's just like this sixth best sports. We're really helping the economy and helping the rugby league. So, I'm just saying, like, maybe it's time to call it. Maybe it's the rugby union things are for them. Okay, so, Oh, we will see what what, Thanks so what much, proposal yes. Cooks comes up with. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Rugby Bits podcast. Please follow us on what, whatever your favorite podcast provider is. Please like and share this podcast with the rugby world. Please um, give us uh, uh, whatever rating or likes, or whatever, to, to pump up this podcast. Download this podcast as much as possible. Let's get those podcast numbers up. We hit 1,000 podcast downloads for the first time in the, um, in the last two weeks. We've hit it twice in a row. So we want to hit that again. And please also follow us. on. Um, please also go to the Bet.co.za website for any of the markets on the rugby and all the other sports happening around as well. And we will see you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.